Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to tonight's edition of Students for Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Dory Finko with Cisco Acosta, and we are live. And once again, hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio, um, sponsored by the 501c3 nonprofit, studentsforabetterfuture.com. You can go there and make a donation. That would be awesome. And we have a great show for you lined up tonight. We're going to be talking about the Federal Reserve. We did a little bit last week. Um, We're going to do a little bit more this week. And also, um, we're going to be talking a lot about Antifa's later on in the broadcast. Um, And, um, Cisco, can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. How's everyone doing? Live in in Texas. Correct. Um, Yes. And, Ruben, remember last week we talked about the Federal Reserve Yes, we did. And the bankers, and uh, we try to make the people understand really um, what the Federal Reserve was or what it's supposed to do. Um, but right. I know a lot of listeners have questions, um, and I want to bring on our guest right away. He's Joe Foster. Welcome to the show, Joe. Joe can you hear me? Thank you, Doreen. It's good being here. Welcome, Joe. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you're dry. You're not over in Houston, obviously. No, 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 no. Houston no. is a different type of piece. Okay. <laughs> um, Joe, I'd like to ask you, begin by asking you, um, what is supposed to be the job of the Federal Reserve? Well, the Federal Reserve, I, you know, it, there's multiple levels, and I'm sure you covered it pretty much in your first show. I, I'm sorry I was not able to be on there or, or hear it. Uh, the Federal Reserve's job, um, besides making money for banks, uh, is to be the uh, system that supposedly levels off the, the highs and lows uh, the depressions and the uh, the uh, many many things are that's the way it was sold to the public and it was going to protect the public from the vagaries of the economy. Um, unfortunately, that has very little to do with what its real job is, and its real job is to make money for banks. Uh, the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor is it a reserve. But it's a it's a <laughs> not my that's not my that, that has been that's said several times. <laughs> well, it's been it was sold as something other than what it really is. Uh, it was put together by bankers, and of course, uh, and, uh, Nelson Aldrich, a powerful Republican congressman, uh, the Republican whip uh, at the time, back in 1910. Obviously, Jekyll Island uh, was conceived, and uh, there were the seven people that showed up there at Jekyll Island 
and spent uh, nine days or whatever it was, they came up with a concept that could be sold to the to the public and to the uh, to the Congress of creating a Federal Reserve system. Now we talk about central banks uh, and the central bank. This would be actually be, I think, the uh, the fourth iteration of it in this country, um, and they all failed miserably, and they all used the same process basically, which was called fractional reserve banking, and uh, the other the other component was the creation of money. Now, money obviously is uh, created um, some if it was gold and silver backed. There was a stability of the currency. Uh, but that didn't really do what they wanted to get done, and that was the uh, the ability to create fiat money and then lend it because banks make their money by lending money, and it's the interest that's paid on the loans is where their where the value is to the banks. Now the biggest customer, as you probably know, is the federal government. The federal government raises money two ways: yeah. either by taxes or they borrow it. And uh, unfortunately, uh, there's not enough tax money to cover the cost of government. Consequently, we always go back to the well. They raise the debt ceiling like was just done just recently, uh, ostensibly for three months, but we'll see. And uh, what they do is they go and they print money, and they give it to the government, and the government turns around and pays their bills, pays the, uh, the mailman or whatever, and that money then goes into circulation. The unfortunate part about using fiat money, there is no value behind it. It's printed on paper. Well, it's not even printed necessarily, but it goes into the ledger, and it looks real good, especially when that mailman takes his paycheck and deposits it in his bank. Because as soon as that money goes into the bank or that check, that turn you can turn around and lend like 90% of that, to go out, and that's where the uh, where the uh, uh, the fractional reserve banking comes into play. It's a big scam, and it's something that's been going on. And it was a trick that was used uh, to to sell to Congress and sell to the people. Federal Reserve System is designed, at least ostensibly, to protect the public, and unfortunately, it does not really do that. It's not there for the public. I'm sorry, I, I went on. Go ahead. No, 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 <laughs> Joe, Joe, uh, I mean, Joe, the way you presented it, I have not heard anyone else presented it in that fashion. I think it was fantastic. Excellent, excellent description of what the Federal Reserve is all about. Thank you very much. I, uh, let, me, uh, yeah. let, let me explain something. I, I kind of tripped into, I accidentally fell into the Federal Reserve system back in the 80s. I was hired by uh, a large securities firm, and uh, we basically built a commercial bank from the ground up. It became a $1.6 billion bank, and uh, with the complete, uh, the, the purpose was to deal directly with the Federal Reserve Bank, on, and specifically with uh, government securities. And a government security, your dollar, the, the money in your wallet is a government security. Uh, is right. there value behind it? Well, there hasn't really been gold or silver behind it in a number of years, so it's basically a piece of paper, and that's basically what the Federal Reserve deals in. Um, now, the way they modulate the, the economy is they put securities into circulation, they take securities out of circulation. 
and it's done by interest rates. And, of course, we've had basically zero interest rate uh, for the past number of years. So that kind of that boosts up Wall Street, but it doesn't do a heck of a lot for Main Street, if you will. Right. Uh, it's also the last arrow in the quiver for the Federal Reserve because they have no more tricks up their sleeve and they can't go on forever operating at zero interest rates. So the printing well, of money is absolutely critical as far as raising the debt ceiling and all the promises that are being made about infrastructure, the defense. You know, We have a $20 trillion bill that has to be paid at this point, and there's really nothing behind it. So, um, well, but my my experience with it, I cleared my first government security on behalf of the parent company uh, in December 9th, in 1986, and that was the first since the Great Depression. And basically, what well, it represented was the the uh, the tearing down of the laws that were the that were put in place because of the Great Depression, ostensibly to protect us from the great uh, you know another Great Depression. And that was SEBA and Glass-Steagall. Yep. Uh, Glass-Steagall, uh, they've been tinkering with that mm-hmm. now ever since that 1986 or the mid-'80s. And mm-hmm. uh, it's running. We've had problems. As a matter of fact, our last uh, bubble, the real estate bubble, if yep. you follow government securities, they use Ginny May and Fannie Mae and all these quasi-government <laughs> uh, agencies yeah. that are underwriting mortgages. Well, that's a scam, too, because there's no value what they're doing. They they were giving mortgages out to people that they knew could not pay them. And, they, and by giving out all those mortgages, they actually forced up the value of real estate because of the competition to buy those houses. Until finally what happened, the bubble burst in 2008, and we saw the fallout from it. Now, that is going to happen again. I can almost guarantee that. And that is the scam that is being perpetuated here. That's the reason you have people like Ron Paul and then Rand Paul, his son, mm-hmm. asking that the Fed be be audited. And that is absolutely critical because if you don't know, and and they are not making it open kimono, the Fed has to be audited. Number one, that will find out exactly how much gold is in gold, Fort Knox. But we'll also yeah. look at see what their you know what their real financial picture is, and it ain't going to be pretty. Well, uh, as I mentioned to Professor, I mean to, to Mary last week, right now we have three locations where supposedly the United States government has their goal. That's West Point, that's uh, Fort Knox, and the other one is the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Right. Yep. And according to a lot of the foreign governments that, that I, uh, I've been uh, researching and, and, and inquiring about, a lot of the foreign governments are getting very nervous because the United States government has put, a, and the Federal Reserve has put a, a holding of, of seven years before they can return the gold back to the respective country. And mm-hmm. a lot of countries like Germany and France are saying, hmm, what's going on? Why, why is Minushi going to Fort Knox. Is there, you know, so there's a lot of mystery behind, and there's a lot of uh, uh, constant worries by foreign governments of if, if the, the actual goal is there. Absolutely. In, in those three, well, those three no, they, there may be gold there, but nobody knows how much. Okay. 
You know, I, I, I mean, is it all gone? I, I'm not sure about that. But, you know, is, is how much is actually there that is considered a reserve, especially since we're right. off the gold standard? You know, I mean, all this uh, China and Russia about two or three years ago removed large amounts of gold that they had in this country. And they brought it back, and uh, China is getting ready, and uh, they may have already done it. But they were going to release a new currency that was going to have be backed by gold. Now, right, right now, the dollar is still the, the world currency. But, you know, the world currency changes every 75 or 76 years. It's time for the, for the dollar to relinquish that that claim of being a world currency. My guess is it's going to be the quan or it's going to be something else that will have some value behind it. You know, this, this, this is where we're, we're in a very dangerous place right now, I believe, because well, of that. Because I, once your currency loses that stature, you know, right. uh, it's going to be uh, – it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> I, I brought up last yeah. week that I think, I think we're, heading, we're heading for – for a cashless society. I mean, we have countries like India already implementing a, a cashless society. We have countries in Asia and Europe that are beginning to experiment. Uh, some of the major banks in Europe are saying we're not taking, we're not basically taking any money beyond five thousand dollars, five thousand euros, because they want to start moving people away from the actual physical fiat. They want to go eventually down you know to a cashless society yes yes total agreement with you and that's and that's a yeah. scary that's really a scary thing because even the cryptocurrencies are you know they're, they're in, in in a state of flux right now you know uh bitcoin uh and there's several other iterations of that coming out even the bank of america was experimenting with it but the big thing about Bitcoin, it, it eliminates the middleman, like you know that clearing government securities with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York on behalf of the parent company. We were a middleman, and we were getting our fees because we were acting as the middleman. Uh, also, it's the, it's the power and prestige prestige of the you know Federal Bank of New York, Reserve Bank of New York. Um, but even there, I mean, we were never able to get to the point because well, here's the problem. The concern, and this is Paul Volcker's concern at the time, was that you know we were a commercial bank, and we built it from the ground up. There were 25 of us in the bank. And basically, we could do everything that a bank could do. We could make uh, you know demand deposits, loan processing. We had everything. We could create all types of different investment vehicles. The one thing we could not do, and to, the, to, the, <laughs> to Volcker's credit, we were not allowed to make commercial loans to our parent company. And the reason being is all those, all those liabilities that we, we capture, which are deposits, our customers' deposits, if we turned around and lent them to the parent company to you know, fund the securities trading, which was in the billions of dollars even back, even back then, you know, if everything went belly up, and I was there for the largest loss by a single trader in government securities at the time. If we had financed that whole thing, the taxpayer would have been on the hook for it. So they said that you could do everything that a bank can do. You can make car loans, you can make house loans, but you cannot make a commercial loan to your parent company. And that was the key. What they were hoping for is that we would be able to finance 
our intraday trading and not have to go to a correspondent bank to finance that trading. And like I said, that was in the billions of dollars. So uh, we did it for five years, almost five years, and very successfully, but we could not, we still had to go to correspondent banks to have them fund our, our trading. Um, that this is, I know it's a little bit tangential, but it had everything to do with the Federal Reserve, how they operate, what they do, and what we did, and what all the money center banks, because the Federal Reserve, remember, they they built a they they built a system, and there's twelve there's twelve Federal Reserve banks in the country, the most powerful of which, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, but the reality is it's a central bank, and it's a central bank that can print money, okay, and that money that they print, even though there's a lot of a lot of fancy uh, algorithms and formulas and processes and laws that they have. Essentially, they still print fiat money. That's what it boils down to. Now, they not only do that, but they, they lend money. And you mentioned it early on in uh, our conversation about the World Bank, uh, what the, uh, the International Bank of, uh, of, of uh, uh, what was it, uh, uh, International Bank of Trades or whatever. And then you have right. the, IM, uh, the Import-Export Bank. They're all joined at the hip. And it, what, basically, they take that fiat money and then they lend it to one another. And then you're back into this fractional reserve because if I borrow $1,000 and I want to invest it, well, or if I, or if I get a $1,000 deposit, I can take $900 of that and lend it out to somebody else. I have to, remain, I have to maintain a 10% reserve. Well, that 10% reserve is only sitting there to preclude a run on the bank. But the problem is 10% does not cover all the deposits that are in there. That means you have to go back to the same situation that they had back in the, uh, during the crash of, you know, of the Great Depression. The banks will run out of money if there's a run on the banks. And that's the reason all these things that are taking place internationally as well as within the country are, you know, it's, it's kind of scary because everything is built on emotion. Wall Street's built on emotion. And if everybody's feeling good, they're investing and they're doing this, that, and the other thing, and everything chugs along. But as soon as people get panicky, then it's a different story because now things happen like the run on the banks back in the Depression. So, you know, and there, I mean, in fairness, the Federal Reserve System is part of that is to preclude that happening again. They're, they try to protect sort of. Uh, that that yeah. will not happen. But the problem is they overmanage, and they and the whole concept of fractional reserve banking is you know it's a it's a house of cards. Eventually, it it gets to a point, then it collapses. Uh, fantastic. Uh, but, uh, uh, we we don't have to go, we don't have to go back to the Great Depression to actually see a run for the uh, a run on. The, no. Let's take a look at the uh, the situation happening in Cyprus. Sure. Cyprus is yep. a perfect example yeah. of how, of how there was a run on the bank. The only the only thing that we were the, the 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 global economy was lucky is that Cyprus is a very very small marginal country. But yes. what what did what what was the intervention of the European uh, central banks, basically, and and the Cyprus government? You know what, guys, this is a, your cutoff. You cannot take more than this. So yeah. they basically kept you away from the money. 
that was a perfect example. As a matter of fact, I think that was a test run. For what yeah, well, they did it. They did it in Greece as well. Afterwards, they did it in Greece. Yes, yeah. And and they'll do it here too. As a matter of fact, they already put certain laws in place, and I haven't followed it real closely. But as of January first, I mean, you know, taking money out of the bank is becoming a you know you, you have to go to the government to basically ask their permission to do it. You know, if you have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and you try to withdraw a hundred thousand dollars, guess what? There's going to be a lot of pushback, and there's going to be a lot of red tape before you can do that. Yep. And and back to what you said earlier about the uh, the uh, everything going electronic, they are also that we are not too far away from that happening. Uh, they're already trying to remove, I think, hundred dollar bills from the uh, circulation. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. that's that's only the first step. The other thing is, you know, the scary thing about these uh, these uh, chips. Okay, the uh, the uh, uh, the chips, you have them in your cards, and right now you have your smart cards and everything like that. There are actually people, yep. there are companies that are implanting the chips in their employees, and those chips can have everything on it, including, you know, your ability to walk to a scanner. Uh, doors will open for you, but you can also take a, you know, you go and check out at a at a store. It'll automatically debit your account. It'll that is what they're trying to do, and that. Now, what they will do with that, the success of that, the argument for it, for some people, is that it eliminates the underground economy. A third yes. of the economy is not captured. That means the taxes yes. are not captured on it. But you know, but what you're giving up, I mean, if you want to talk about something like the mark of the beast, that's it. Make no, oh, make yeah. no mistakes about it. That do, they, is it. do they know if these? I wonder. Do they, do they know if these chips that are implanted can cause cancer? Um, I have not is heard there that. Any I mean, information you, on that yet? My guess, my guess is that it is so low voltage. You're getting a lot more danger from your cell phones than you would be getting from those chips. But that's not an argument for it. I mean, it's just the, the reality is they don't have to be very powerful to work. You know, your cell phone needs your cell phone. You oh, need yeah, to be able no, to transmit a signal a certain distance. You know, so that well, takes more we power. Have, we have we have a, a company in Wisconsin that's basically implementing that chip. Of course, they say it's voluntarily. Basically, yeah. Well, to, yeah, well, it's voluntary uh, today. Maybe mandatory tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're not going to come out. I, I keep telling yeah. people they got you know. You have to realize this. They're not going to come out and say you, you're going to have to do this. They're going to come and in, 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 in disguise a scheme to fool people to get them in. And you have to <laughs> yep. use your you have to use your critical thinking and say, ah, oh, what are they trying to do, and who's going to benefit from this, and why are they trying to do? It? And 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 unfortunately, a lot of people in our country. Their critical thinking skills are very, very non-existent. I mean, they're non-existent. They're, they're not yeah. taught anymore. Yeah. Critical thinking I, I, is yeah, not taught. I'm, right. I'm wondering if they'll sell it to the people like, um, like for example, okay, you're going to lose your child if you don't install a chip in him or her. Yeah, you and know, people you know are falling saying? for that. They're falling for Well, look, they started with the animals. They made it mandatory that if you take an animal out of a, uh, out of a shelter, that the chip is put in. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, well, it, this is incrementalism because now we're used to it. All so of our, all like our a, animals a, have chips, right? And, and does it have it has tracking device on it, right? Yeah, you're not going to lose your dog. <laughs> but 
Well, the yeah. tracking device, well, that's another story. Now, they have the technology, and that is possible. Are you going to waste it on a dog now? No, absolutely not. That tracking technology is already being used within an inch of our lives on, you know, our cell phones and, uh, you know, uh, our, our computers, our cars. I mean, all the cars right now have gumstick computers in them along with the GPS, and now they have cameras forward-looking and back, uh, and rear-looking cameras. Those can all be remotely controlled. Yes. People don't realize this. I mean, you know, the the the, the day of 1984 is here. <laughs> <laughs> George Orwell. Yeah. George Orwell is coming to reality. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I sit here every day thinking about this and say, God, <laughs> you know, where is the relief from this? And there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of it at this point. Well, I'm, I, I don't, Doreen, I, I'm so happy that I'm so happy that Joe is our guest tonight because I'm really excited about learning. I mean, even more. Well, yes. From you. He, yeah. he has brought some information, particularly about wow, the yeah. Federal Reserve. You know, it was explained yes, yes. in a different way that that we can understand. And I, I yes. like when you said it's not federal and it's not a reserve. Yeah, that was classic. And it's not for the benefit of the people. It's for the benefit of the bankers. It's only for the benefit yes. of the bankers. You know, the interesting thing, yeah. I mean, so, the, the, the concept of the Federal Reserve was sold in a very, very funny way. Williams Jennings Bryant was, I believe he was the one that was dead set against the Federal Reserve. He understood it and everything else. Well, all of a sudden, I, I don't know if it's Warburg or one of the one of the one of the, the the principal people in that came out and made a very public statement when they were finally getting to the point where they were pushing it through Congress, and they said this is designed to take the power away from the the, the bankers and distribute it to you know the Americans, and that's what most people were afraid because at the time. Wall Street and the, and the money center banks, the, the, the financiers of Wall Street in New York, controlled everything. And, but just by saying that, even though it was a bald-faced lie, because one, I think Warburg maybe went to the guy and said, hey, what are you doing? That's not, exact, that's not what we want. We wanted just the opposite of that. He said, don't worry about it. He said, once it becomes law, we'll, we'll tweak it and tune it and get what we want. And that's exactly how they operate. It's not only there. They've been operating that way for years. We get, we get a piece of legislation. And next thing you know, it's been turned to a, a, a you know something that nobody really wanted, other than a handful of people that are probably your oligarchs, that are the ones that are going to benefit from it. The rest of us are going to suffer. You know, we pay back all this, all these bailouts and everything else like that. They're paid back by fiat money, and that fiat money does nothing but create inflation, and inflation is the hidden tax on the people. And it was designed to operate yeah. that way. It was. It's been operating that way since day one. Yeah, and the people don't see that. They, they no, no. You know. We're fat, dumb, and happy. We we go through life, you know, as long as we can go to a movie and go out to dinner from time to time and have a glass of wine. Life is good. <laughs> yeah. Human. It's human nature. I mean, you know. I mean, it's you not know, that I people are dumb. It's just what, human nature. What some of my constituents have thought the Federal Reserve was, they actually thought it was another bank to back up the banks. You know. Um, <laughs> well, it is a bank because they create money. As soon as every time the government says, "Hey, we need a loan," no problem, I'll write you a check, 
and that's exactly the way they do it. And there's no money behind it. They create money out of out of the ether. But the thing is, it starts the whole chain. The only Somebody people that make out of, the only people that make out in the Federal Reserve System the way they create money is the government because the first one in the chain is the one that gets the benefit of it. So if you want to finance a war or if you want to build trillions of dollars worth of roads, you do it. People see the uh, the net results. The problem is, as it ripples through the economy, especially with fractional reserve banking, every time somebody deposits a check and makes some money off of this, it gets further diluted, and that dilution is what we call inflation. So if you want to see the Weimar Republic, they did it. They they were printing fiat money to beat the band, and the people that got the first chunk of it did okay. But the rest of the people, they were using wheelbarrows of money, Deutschmarks, in order to buy a loaf of bread. And that could happen again. I mean, uh, the other interesting thing is value behind, you know, fiat money is fiat money. But if you if you talk to a socialist, what's the first thing that Obama did when he became president? He took over two million acres. Of land out in the out in the West. Now that land, which is now under the Bureau of Land Management (BLM), is is loaded with minerals. You have gold, you have silver, you have uranium, you have all types of stuff. And if you talk to so, I can't remember the guy's name, the French guy, the French billionaire, the socialist that was going to become the next president of France. He's the one that raped mm-hmm. the uh, raped the uh, the uh, maid at the in the hotel in New York. Sure. Was that, uh, well, that was in that was in Charles de Gaulle, right? No, no, no. It was uh, DSM. Uh, I, those were his initials. I just can't remember his name. But he was asked, and it was right after Greece had its big, big, you know, you know, were basically crashed. And some reporter came up to him and said, "Aren't you worried about Greece now? Now Greece is a basket case. It still is even today. But according to this socialist billionaire." which is almost an oxymoron, he said, don't worry about Greece. Greece is fine. And they said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, Greece owns most of their land. <laughs> and almost everybody works yeah. for the government, which is what they want here in this country. They want everybody to be paid by the government. So the government owns you. It's just like health care. You're owned. If your health care belongs to the government, you no longer can control it. So this is, oh, I mean, this is this is how the new world order is implemented. It's done incrementally, but it's done shotgun with over a whole host of uh, different uh, uh, different uh, things that are important to us. Well, so who's going to pay all this debt back now? Nobody. No, it's, supposed, it's not supposed to be paid back. It's not. It's never going to be paid back. No. There's not. A, there's no way of paying back twenty trillion. Actually, the debt service. When you figure in, figure in the debt service, you're talking one hundred and fifty trillion dollars. Well, you can't pay that back. Un, we're not. We're not including the unfunded liability, which is Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. That's over one hundred twenty trillion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're sucking pond water. I mean, that's the only way you can put it. I think. Yeah. Unless unless sanity. Uh-huh. Prevails and people get people start acting like grown-ups, you know, and that that means the clowns that we have down there in Washington. All these people are playing with they're playing with monopoly money, but they're also kicking the can down the road. You, I mean, it's, the, the the nature of the animal, 
you're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to have your depressions, recessions, and you know you're going to have bull markets. You're going to have, you can't control all that. Regardless of the what the Keynesians think they know, they don't. They they've screwed up just about every time they've gotten, you know, they they've gotten this. There's no responsibility. And eventually, when it happens, it's going to happen. Yeah. Unless, right. unless uh, we start uh, acting like grown-ups, and what what Rand Paul is asking for, and his father before him, is that we audit the Fed. That's a great place to start. You have to know where you're at before you know where you want to go and how you're going to get there. No yeah. surprises. Um, okay, Joe. Actually, right. I'm going to ask you to hang out um, and. Because yeah, uh, I'm going to bring a guest on. Her name is Zulima Ariel Casanova. Um, okay. Folks, you are going to switch topics to Antifa. Um, so uh, hang out a minute. Let me see if I can bring her on. Uh, hello, Zulima. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Yes, I can. Uh, this is Doreen, your host. And Cisco Acosta is on. And, Hi, uh, we also Salima, have our guest, jo- Joe Foster. Good, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? Um, how are you? Zalima, yeah, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been doing a, um, a lot of research about Antifa, correct? I have my um, a little bit of intel on Antifa and, and what their group is mostly about um, and what their movement um, really is, which isn't a whole lot of anything except for destruction. Well, Salima seemed very, very humble. I mean, uh, Salima <laughs> has been in Salima has been in the thick <laughs> of the war. She's been there. She has gone live. I've seen her videos. She's in. She's doing. She's doing what a lot of Americans should be doing out there, basically defending the country. I mean, I, 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 I have. Such respect for her to be well, out there you. with uh, so you're welcome. I mean, because it's I mean they're over. I mean overwhelmed. There's more of them than us in there. I mean, Correct. not in the whole country, but in those particular rallies that I saw. So Lima was yeah. one of the very few out there. So go ahead, Lima, because uh, it's, it's definitely uh, you have a lot of information to tell the American people on on, on what's yeah. really going out there in those rallies. Yeah. Well, definitely um, everyone has seen um, the Berkeley rallies. I'm from California, um, and I'm not very far from Berkeley. As a matter of fact, I'm right in Sacramento, the capital city of California. So um, I've attended all of the Berkeley rallies, and from the very beginning, um, it was a big eye-opener of what Antifa really was all about, and it promotes just absolute hate. Um, there is no other um, there is no other movement to their group but just to um, be destructive and incite hate for no reason really um, there are a lot of the, the Antifa people that actually show up um, have no real um, motive to be there besides to just um, get into fights um, just to shut us down, just to be part of what they think is the rise or the resistance or rebels or whatever it is that they want to call themselves. But really they have no um, no other movement except for, for just inciting hate. 
against the American people. Yes. Um, are they funded mm-hmm. by George Soros? We believe so. Um, there's been a lot of um, – you could you could find it anywhere, almost on any um, ads. I'm not sure how um, the ads are nationwide, but here in California we have Craigslist, and there's just – ads upon ads of people that um, will hire you for uh, to go out to do the um, counter-protest or to do part of the resistance, and you get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So like I said, yeah. that's um, – and it, there's there's so many ads. I don't understand how people can honestly just think that they're um, fraudulent ads, that they're, make, they're made up. Um, they have – People, the Antifa groups actually have uh, live videos of themselves recording, asking people to come out to call in, and they get paid just to incite riots, just to incite and, mm-hmm. and resist against the patriots. Um, when we go to our, yeah. you know, free speech rallies, or for instance, like the Patriot Prayer, um, and now it's gotten to the point where um, our last, um, the Patriot Prayer that was that was supposed to be hosted by. Joey Gibson, um, there were so many resistant that was supposed to be there. I mean, we were going to be outnumbered, um, you know, by thousands, uh, thousands. So mm-hmm. they ended up having to cancel it uh, because of it because they just, you know, they, they talk about being fascist or, you know, being Nazis or, you know, whatever it is that they're talking about, but yet they do exactly the very thing that they're supposed to be protesting um, the patriots for. So. Yeah. It's very contradictive of their group, and I'm very happy now a domestic terrorist group. So we are hoping um, when we do have our rallies uh, that they're what, 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 what is them. their mission? Is it is it to just um, to eradicate the their their mission is unclear. Honestly, um, okay. like I said, um, the last Berkeley we went to the, uh, Berkeley. Um, rally uh, where they just they showed up. There were thousands of them. Um, I showed up. Uh, it was me and two other people, and we marched in silence. I mean, we're, we we don't go in there to create problems or to 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 get into any kind of heated um, arguments or anything or put ourselves in in danger. So I went in there and I was right in the middle of of everyone. And you know, they they talk about you know no racism, no KKK, no neo Nazis. Uh, free speech, you know, and, and I was right along there letting them know, yeah, well, that's, that's what we want as well. Us as patriots, as Americans, we want all of those things too, so I don't understand why you are resisting us. It, it, it makes no sense. Oh, I was just going to say, if I can just interject uh, one thought here. Uh, for, first of all, you know, there, there's the old adage, you have a hand above the table and a hand below the table. Everybody is focusing on the hand above the table. But the real damage or the real reason that all of this has taken place has nothing to do with what it looks like. This has nothing to do with Nazism or fascism or, or, or whatever. Basically what it is, it's neutralizing an organization that has stood for those things that are between our country and the implementation of that quote-unquote new world order. Um, right. Okay, if you look at it, yeah. if you take it down to its simplest terms, and I'm seeing this with Nick's case, is that the Constitution is, stands in the way. The Constitution protects the people from the government, but our Constitution is the only one that does that. 
Every other constitution protects the government from their people. Now, right. in order to get to that tipping point, and Gorbachev is a great, he, he is the poster child for this whole thing. Gorbachev's goal is to implement that new world order. And if you, if you follow the history and everything else, it goes back to the Fabians. It goes back to, uh, goes back to uh, Cecil Rhodes and uh, the CFR and, and all that. It's been pushing in this direction ever since. Even communism, like we take a kind of a simplistic look at this and we say, well, this is all a bunch of communists. No, not really. Communists are nothing more than a tool of what the ultimate goal is. And the ultimate goal is chaos because out of chaos comes order. And the order that right. they're trying for is something that has nothing to do with the violence that you're seeing at these rallies. They are nothing more than a, a, than a neutralizing point trying to wear people down to where we give up those, those things that we hold so dear. Because once we lose them, they're gone forever. Correct. And the right. Federal Reserve, I, I, what we were talking about earlier, is all part and parcel of this. They're, there's, they're not separated. They're all joined at the hip. One of the things about Salima and, and, and the group and the groups that are participating in this is that these groups and TIFA and, and, and BLM are trying to neutralize and curtail free speech that is coming from patriot Americans. Absolutely. And, 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 the, and the part that really irritates me and frustrates me is that looking at those videos that Salima posted, the police, the Berkeley police and the Berkeley mayor are basically not doing anything. They're basically no. protecting Antifa, and, and, and they're not protecting the Berkeley. They've been doing that in Berkeley since back in the Vietnam days. You know, it, it, it hasn't changed all that much. I mean, what I've seen, you know, what I've been reading about in my age and everything like that, Berkeley has always been that that nut hole. I mean, it's it, it's just a bunch of people able to act out because their government, the, the town government, the, the the university, they all condone that. But it's kind of like a can, you know, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a cancer. It it, that, it gets into San Francisco. It gets into around the area. Right. But basically, well, you know, Berkeley is Berkeley. Right. Well, you know, out of the four rallies that um, that have been. Um, put together there in Berkeley that I've been to one of them, the police finally had um, finally stepped up only out of one of them. And I believe it was the third rally, the third Berkeley rally. Um, the first one was when I first got there, you know, I had heard about the rally. I was kind of new to the whole movement. Um, I wanted to show my um, patriotism and, and um, support of America, you know, so I went over to Berkeley and when I got there, it looked like, I mean, it was a free-for-all melee mm -hmm. of – seemed like, it seemed like it was world wrestling mania there. You know, it just – it was <laughs> every – I mean, I, I was actually shocked. I, I never had never thought it was anything going to happen. Um, I was actually just standing there on the um, – just kind of watching, kind of shocked um, at what was happening. And I had a minor – one of my minor sons had come with me, and um, just out of nowhere – we were assaulted just for, for holding our, our flags. Um, I had an American uh, flag. My mm -hmm. son was carrying um, a Blue Lives Matter flag, and we had a Trump flag. And just out of nowhere, 
they started to try to rip our flags and try to, you know, take it from us. And we, we were literally not doing or saying anything. Um, and that was how they kind of pulled us into this whole me- melee, the first, um, the first um, rally. Um, it was, it was really, like I said, I was really shell shocked. Um, and then people were being sprayed, um, pepper sprayed. They were being assaulted. A lot of our elderly patriots were on the floor because they were being assaulted and the police did do nothing. Um, I was absolutely shocked to see that they were just standing down. And a lot of us were running towards the police to be somewhat protected and they would just keep moving back where they almost didn't even want to be anywhere near any of the people that were seeking help. Um, second one was, Uh, but the the only way they will intervene is if if you're going to get killed. Basically, I mean, they had, well, even then it doesn't sound like they were overly motivated. What it was like, we were asking for help for some of the patriots that were on the floor, like bleeding and assaulted. And we would ask them to come over and help. They wouldn't move. The only way that they would move or, or even intervene is if the victim themselves was asking for help, the victim. So if you were on the floor and you were unable to get up, you're just kind of on your own. It wasn't unless you actually can get up and crawl your way to the police officers, and then they would they would give you aid. But they wouldn't even really protect you. They weren't arresting anyone. Um, it just, like I said, it was. It, I was shell shocked um, to see the police officers just standing there. And I I support our law enforcement. Um, and that's one of the very flags that I actually carry with me all of the time is Blue Lives Matter um, flag. So it was very appalling to see that these people that are that took an oath to serve and protect were ordered to stand down. Um yeah. and were and, and I felt bad in a sense. I didn't really blame them because I know that they are they're 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 just following orders. They have families that they have um you know they're they don't want to lose their jobs either. You know, so I, I, I kinda understood it but at the same time very disappointed. And um the second rally was a little bit the police still didn't get involved but we had a lot better security the second rally. Uh, we were able to keep Antifa away, but they were still throwing M80s. They were throwing uh, frozen water bottles at the uh, at the uh, Patriots. They were um, spraying us. They were throwing bag-filled urine and feces. Um, just it was it was really um, again, you know, just upsetting to see that the police officers did not move in at all. Um, but the uh, security that we had, we had a, um, we had the three percenters, uh, we the people, um, some of the proud boys that were there. They were all there to help with security, and um, they were able to at least keep them off the park so that the ones that were there to um, hear the uh, free speech or all the speeches that were happening, um, we were able to at least listen in peace. Uh, and then it wasn't until the the third rally that the police actually finally came in and it was very peaceful. Actually, and I don't even think Antifa really showed up. There was a few people that showed up, but it was very peaceful. We we had a very good time. We enjoyed all the speeches. Um, and we've even have um, the other side, people that are resist, the resistant um, speak at our rallies as well, because, you know, we do believe in listening to everybody's side, um, giving them that, that platform, um, whether we agree or disagree, you know, we, we are there to give. I mean, that's the whole purpose of our, you know, constitutional right is that free speech. No matter how yeah. upsetting it can be, it is everyone's right to speak 
what they feel and and believe. And um, so, Lima, so Lima, correct me if I'm wrong, but the host of one of the rallies, Joey Gibson, he's half mm-hmm. Japanese. Well, correct. They were, calling, um, they, were, they were calling they were calling Joey Gibson, who's half Japanese, a Nazi. And then they were Correct. saying that uh, that um, the Patriots are, you know, racist because they, they 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 dislike LGBTQ uh, lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, trans, uh, transgender. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the speakers, she's 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 I think a transgender, right? Yes, correct. She, um, I believe you're speaking of Amber. She's a transgender. You know, it's so funny because, like I said, if if you go to our rallies and you see the people that put put the rallies together and the people that are actually speaking at our rallies, we are more diverse than Antifa themselves. You have Hispanics. You have um, African Americans. You have, uh, like Joey Gibson, that is half um, Asian. We have so many diverse people in our group. and yet you look at Antifa and they're all, you know, white people. So it, yeah, it almost they're, they're makes all... like how how do you calling us racist when look at your group, basically. Yeah. Look at your group. You know, I don't understand. You know what this, what this boils down to is perception becomes reality. They are controlling the perception and they're doing right. it. George Soros funds Black Lives Matter. He funds Antifa. Various groups uh-huh. that make up the leadership of it. Unions. Most of the thugs that were going out to the Trump rallies were union thugs, and they were paid right. to be there. So I mean, you have to understand that, and George Soros is deeply involved. I can show you photographs yes. of where he's involved with uh, these, this new world order. I mean, the top people in the, in the world getting together, he sits right in the middle of them. So he All is right. kind of the face of the oligarchy. That, and, you know, and, that, and, and, you know, the thing about it is, you know, there's the funding. I mean, if if you yeah. if you go back and you look mm-hmm. and you track where the money comes from, I mean, it goes yeah. all the way to the top government, uh, and it's never ending funding. You know, I, here in my own city, there is so many billboards. I mean, I'm talking about one after another, after another, after another of Rise Against BLM, um, and I'm thinking, yeah. I can't believe that they have the money to not only advertise, but they're everywhere. And here are little groups, you know, we're trying to get one billboard and, and we're all out of our own money, out of our own funding. You know, we're trying to fundraise. We're trying to do all of the ways that we can to, to get our message out there. And it's almost like we can't even compete because like I said, the money is never ending on their side. Um, and that's the reason why we get outnumbered at our own rallies, at our own rallies, yes. we get outnumbered. Um, and, it's, uh, and they're it's, all brought and in and from you outside. Around. You're from your community, basically. I'm yes. going to say, relatively speaking, you're close to where where you Correct. rally. These yes. people come in from all over the country. That's right. That's absolutely right. It's, yeah. Like I said, it's very, it's unbelievable. Um, like I said, and, and the thing, you know, the funny thing that uh, what I the last Berkeley when I went to the last Berkeley, what I I thought it was really amazing because, like I said, I, I marched in silence. Um, I walked up amongst the people. Um, I did a live feed. I'm, I, I was not fairly loud, but I was letting myself, you know, be known that I am a patriot. I am a Trump supporter. I am a pro America. Um, and a lot of these people, although they didn't, you know, I would walk up to many Antifa. They were friendly to me. You know, they were friendly. You know, and it's and the funny thing about it is, is the minute 
that they hear that I am a Trump supporter, it's like automatic, turn the switch on, I hate you. And it's like, wait a minute, you were just talking to me not even two <laughs> seconds ago. You were hugging me. You were taking yeah. a picture with me. And and now that you know, what what where where did that where did that turn on and off? Where you 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 befriended me, but now that you know that I am pro America, all of a sudden I'm your worst enemy. That's how you know that yeah. these people have really no agenda. They have they just they no. Just, it's just it's just hate. It's just hate. It's just pure hate. Yeah, well, the rank and file again. The young people are there. They have been they have been brought up on these movies, Star Wars, and mm-hmm. everything is rallying against the uh, you know the powers that be. Uh, the guy with the Correct. white mask. I forgot what movie that was. These people are wearing those masks. Yeah. You know they're yes. acting out. They're acting out their fantasies, but they're being guided by a very, very cruel, very well financed, and very well planned organization that is making this happen. They're 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 the cannon fodder. Correct. They're nothing more than cannon fodder. So they they show up at these things, and you know, back in the back in the sixties, you you know, they had the same the same mentality. The young people that were out there protesting everything under the sun, half the stuff they protested, they didn't understand anyway. Right. And I think and, that's, and that's a lot of that's here too. And it's funny, like when I do talk to some of you know some of these people on a one on one. What they always claim is that we never give them a chance to to talk. Um, so I've given them a lot of chances to speak, and and I listen to them, and I've actually had dialogue with them. And once they can hear and get past, I, I guess what they their perception of a patriot is, it's almost like, oh, well, I didn't know, like I didn't know that, I didn't know that about you, or I didn't know that that's going on, or I didn't, you know, it's all of a sudden that. They're so informed all of a sudden. It's like, well, what were you out here doing that, you know, what did you come out here for? What was your purpose if you had no idea this is actually going on in the United States and this is about America and pro-American and that we are actually fighting for you. Um, You know, we are fighting for us, the people, we, the people, you know, united we stand. And it's, it's, like I said, it's very, um, it's amazing how, how many young people are just out there just, just to be part of a riot, really, because that's all it is. It's yes. just a riot. It's just uh, to be on. out there to somebody just... Co- sure. I have somebody calling in to ask a question. Um, caller 612, you're on the air, area code 612. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Want to go ahead and ask? Yeah, um, yeah thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say I think a lot of this ties into how whether it be the left or the communist or whatever it may be, who got into this country and have infiltrated it starting going back to the 50s and 60s, when they got a hold of the education system, they got rid of the Socratic method and they adopted the critical theory. And by doing that, they removed the whole critical thinking aspect of education and they turned American education into liberal. That's why, you know, a lot of these young people, like I was one of them, I was a hardcore leftist up until the age of 22. And when you're, all you hear is that ideology in school, you turn on the TV, that's all you get is that perspective. You go to the movies, it's the same thing. The news, same thing. You're surrounded by it. And when you got young, impressionable people who don't really know the difference, that's what happens. And that's how, and mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. And that's why they target younger people. And I feel like the only answer to that is those of us who are, who are patriots, those who know what's going on, is you have to do your best to try to just put the information out and let people... Get done right. 
you, you, you know, yeah. You, yeah. You, if, if I can just interject here for a second, you're spot on correct. Uh, the, the, what what you just said is spot on correct. Matter of fact, it was back correct. in the early '60s. Uh, they uh, switched uh, to the Hegelian method, okay? The Hegelian dialectic, I believe, and uh, you know, national education, where where the reading, writing, and arithmetic actually became secondary to, um, we call it civics, but it's more more along the lines of propaganda. Uh, the Hegelian model was also used in Nazi Germany as well as Stalinist Russia, and that became that became our model of national education, public education. In the early 60s, now Antonio Gramsci uh, and Saul Alinsky, you know, they were working into this model, and in the 60s is when it really took 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 root. So the 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 brainwashing, if you will, now reaches down into pre-K. So they're getting right. all of this indoctrination all the way through. We've got four generations now of people that are teachers that are teaching it because they never knew anything else. Now, that's how right. insidious the entire the entire process is. So good catch. Right. I, I, I appreciate yep. very, the, uh, what the gentleman said. Very good analysis. Yeah. Very good analysis, Paula. Yeah. I just want to say um, okay. Okay. Now, we're, we're going to go back to Selena uh, here. She's doing a good country. job in explaining Antifa. Uh, oh, let me, before, um, before, before we go on, Selena, um, before we go on, I, I definitely ahead, want Selena to... Yeah, I want Salima to mention uh, the cause in regards to the cheerleading uh, function that you want to promote for your cheerleading group. That you're, uh, it's like a, a fundraiser, a fundraising. Ahead, I want her to uh, for all our all our listeners to donate. Yes, absolutely. Right now, I'm doing a fundraiser. Um, uh, we have uh, I I, cheer, I coach cheerleaders uh, for youth. Um, between the ages of 5 and 14. And right now, the fundraiser that is uh, being put on is uh, an all-star fundraiser. Uh, what they do is raise money for Shriners Children's Hospital. I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with that, but awesome. it's much like the St. Mm-hmm. Jude's. Um, and they help. Um, this hospital usually helps uh, families that are in need that can't afford surgeries or um, medical so they, it's uh, we have a hospital here in Sacramento that we we raise money, um, and one of my cheerleaders that um, has been picked to represent our organization is doing a fundraiser as part of her um, community service. And so, if you'd like to, you know, click on my page again, I'm uh, Zoema Ariel Casanova, and usually there should be a link there um, for the Shriners uh, Children's Hospital that she's and she's got a GoFundMe. Uh, account that she's raising, like I said, she's raising um, money for for that for that uh, charity at this point. And I think we could I think awesome. we could uh, put it on put it on the link, right, uh, Doreen? Yes, send it over to me, and I'll, I'll include it on the link. Okay, I appreciate okay. it. Thank um, you so, so much. I appreciate it. Yes, uh, folks, we're ahead of time again. Boy, this goes by pretty quick. I'm going to call this our political psychotherapy session. That's going to be the new name of our show. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay. We're going to have to do it again. We, we're going to have to do it again. Absolutely. Yes, I'd like yes. to touch on the yes. immigration. Awesome. Um, yes. And DACA yeah. and all of those other uh, events that are happening and all those other issues that are that are. Um, 
being discussed at the at this time. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to to be able to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> um, folks, uh, I want to mention um, before we close out, uh, next week we're going to be bringing on a guest. Uh, guest his name is Nick Papora. Um, he's bringing a case. Well, he, he did bring a case to the United States Supreme Court. Um, this case is called Sapa, and it's going, he's going to be talking about um, how our government has overstepped their um, rights in regards to the gun laws. Um, yeah, it, and it, if you guess one, yeah, got, guess want to join us next week? You're more than welcome. Definitely. After uh, yeah, the, yep. the interesting thing about Nick's case, it is a RICO, civil RICO case, and it's in yes. uh, basically uh, the Second Amendment, but the real thing is the uh, the federalism, protection of federalism yes. in the Constitution. Right. So it should be a lively discussion. Nick always has a lively discussion. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, We're looking yeah. forward to it. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Okay, folks. Any, yeah, anytime. Like thank, thank you for coming. Come. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, th- th- yep. Thank you all for having me, and uh, Salima, nice, nice meeting you. Thank you. Yeah, likewise, thank you so much. Awesome. You guys have a TV. Okay, and Bye-bye. folks, um, we're going to, uh, I want to mention, please go to the nonprofit's website again and make a contribution so we can continue these shows. Um, and i like to stay, have everybody stay tuned until next week, and uh, have a good night. Okay.